Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tradical Crypto Show. Today's guest is coming from all the way out in New York City. I thank you very much for his time. It's going to be a very interesting conversation, speaking to a computer scientist who's come into this space and has also tied them with Wall Street. Are you intrigued? I know I certainly am. I've got Amin Gunsira, who's the founder and CEO of Ava Labs. Thank you so much for your time speaking with us today, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, look, let's just dive straight into it. First things first, your background. Um, the computer science side of this, uh, is that really where you started? And is that what brought you into this space? Where, where were you before you sort of, I guess, put your hands dirty in the blockchain space? Uh, that's a great question. So I've been in this space way before Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, I've been a professor for uh, 18 years now. And uh, I got into peer-to-peer -peer about uh, in 2001. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I was motivated uh, to facilitate file sharing networks. And in these kinds of peer-to-peer -peer networks, you have this fundamental problem where people want to take things and they don't want to give things, right? So they want to consume resources like bandwidth and nobody wants their bandwidth used. So this was a problem known as leeching back in those days of file sharing. Some of your listeners might actually know about this. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was very hard to solve. It, it, these networks essentially required people to be altruistic. And um, my idea at the time was, hey, let's, why don't we build some, some system for keeping track of people's uh, goodness, if you will. So, and the system was called Karma. <laughs> and uh, it was an, a virtual currency. It was meant to be worthless. Uh, worthless, but unforgeable currency without a single issuer uh, for keeping track of people's contributions to a peer-to-peer -peer file sharing system. And so that was very, very early on. It was published in 2003. Uh, it's academically very well cited, um, but I decided not to pursue it at the time commercially because I thought, well, the time is not exactly right. And if I pursue this, the regulators will come after me. And um, so I am not, uh, you know, I'm not in the same position as Satoshi Nakamoto. He came five years afterwards, six years afterwards, and um, his timing was impeccable. He came after the financial markets crash and uh, he came as an anonymous entity because it wasn't clear in those days. Uh, what the regulators would do to you. And um, uh, so anyway, so then I got back into Bitcoin and uh, uh, one of my claims to fame is having found the biggest known flaw in Nakamoto's consensus protocol. It still hasn't been patched. It's fundamental. It's uh, difficult to patch that protocol. You have to just evolve to a different protocol. And, um, and after that, I worked on Bitcoin security. I worked on uh, other cryptocurrencies. I worked on smart contract security. Uh, some of the listeners might might know that I played a pretty big role in predicting the, predicting the DAO hack on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then since then, uh, I've been doing a whole bunch of other things. Uh, but in the last year, I've been focused on my company, Avalabs, which is building on a new platform called Avalanche, a new protocol. Um, and it's a big breakthrough uh, that doesn't happen all that often. And uh, we're building a new platform uh, on that breakthrough. Now, I want to ask a couple of questions. But first, I want to start, um, I want to start with this. There's all these vicious rumors going around, I've heard. Lots of vicious rumors that you're Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> I've, been, I've been accused of, be, of Sato, being Satoshi. I've also been accused of being the DAO hacker. Um, I've, I've heard it all. I'm, I'm not one of those things. Mate, I bet you have. I was just joking. We cop it all online and you got a lot of people to cop it from. So congratulations for that anyway. <laughs> all right, cool. So look, um, obviously... You didn't like when I usually say to people, What got you into the space? It's usually post 2019, right? I uh, sorry, post 2009. Uh, obviously, after you know, Bitcoin was 
brought to the masses, so to speak, or brought to the minimals to start off with, and now it's being brought to the masses. You were in fact there prior to that period yeah. of time. So of course, your knowledge surpasses the knowledge of pretty much most of the space, which is quite fascinating from my point of view. So before we go into Arva Labs, I'm really interested to see is what you see as the major issues, just because you've been around this space for long as you held back. I mean, your uh, karma token, your karma coin, whatever it was to be at the time that you didn't go ahead with. I mean, we could be sitting here going, karma is at $12,500. It, it could be a very different story, but you made a decision at that point in time not to pursue that. Now, it sounds like it's because of regulation. Totally understand that. I mean, you can be strung up by a government for not doing a great deal, for sharing things that are true. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. So what do you see as the major issues for this, you know, blockchain, it's, it could be it could be outside of that too. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, blockchain, but the um, self governance, the the control of human, um, sorry, the control for us humans of our own ability to do our own thing without a you know superpower above us telling us what we can and can't do. What issues do you see apart from the obvious, them trying to shut it down, um, to slow down or to stop this? wave that has certainly begun and does not seem to be slowing down at the moment? Um, so that's a great question. Uh, let, me, let me answer it from my own perspective, which is very much platform and system building oriented. So um, there are internal impediments to us and there are also external issues. So um, I think the biggest problems are internal. Uh, the platforms we have today suffer from three big problems that have to be solved before we can go out there and credibly claim that crypto will take over the world. Will crypto eat business? Absolutely. Do I believe this with every cell of my body? Yes. Is this an extinction level event for many companies? Absolutely. Is it a huge opportunity for many new startups to come? Absolutely. We're going to see a, a big sea of change coming. But to make that change possible, we have to solve three problems with the platforms we have. The first one is scale. So if you look at a system like Bitcoin, it's operating at around three to seven transactions per second. Three to seven transactions per second is really IKEA on a, on a busy weekend, right? So you <laughs> yeah. can't go out, you can't go out and, and you know, have dreams of tackling dollars dominance when you can barely support a single silly furniture retailer. So you gotta have something that's going to scale much better than that. Um, if you somehow manage to convince Venezuela to switch to Bitcoin, well, every Venezuelan gets to go to uh, every adult, actually. Um, every adult gets to go to the supermarket every month once. You buy a packet of gum, you don't get to buy some tomatoes the next day. You get to wait for 30 days. That's crazy. So these platforms that we have are way too slow, way too inefficient. They consume enormous amounts of energy, and the energy leaves the store of value. You're constantly feeding money uh, and enriching the power companies. And, uh, and that value needs to remain trapped inside the system for you to create these virtuous cycles that we care about. So that's one big problem. Second big problem is security. The, the systems that we have are nowhere near uh, secure enough for supporting the, the kinds of financial applications that we want to support. Somebody transferred $1 billion uh, yesterday. And um, yeah, that sounds great and, and all, but it's actually an incredibly insecure operation. So it in fact makes all the transactions that come afterwards on the blockchain subject to reorganization attacks. It puts them in jeopardy as well. So these systems are not currently secure enough 
for these high value financial assets and high value transactions. The marketplaces we have are not trustworthy enough. So you constantly hear of uh, people who abscond with the money. Uh, we recently heard about somebody who disappeared uh, with a lot of money from Canadians and there are doubts about whether or not he passed away or he faked his own death. In a, you know, the, I love this space. There are all these colorful stories at, 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 on, any, on any given day. Um, but this is, these, are, these are crazy. And um, the, the nature of the assets that we have lend themselves to secure by construction, correct by construction systems of the kind that Wall Street has never seen. So we can build things that just do away with custodians. They do away with trusted entities. They rule out the possibility of some idiot disappearing on you uh, with your money. And so that's a fascinating world that we can build, but instead we've built this current ecosystem that isn't quite matching the dream that the masses really clamor for. And the third and final thing, of course, that we have to solve um, is the user experience. You know, if you've ever tried to onboard people to a new coin, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know you've done this. Uh, it's just a very painful process and it's a very slow process. And the user experience afterwards is absolutely horrible. If you huddle your coin, that is hold it forever and ever and never use it, well, sure, then it's okay. But, you know, I want to see these assets used. I want to see these assets traded at high, high enough speeds for the use cases. So that's a different world and we're, not, we're, not, we're nowhere near that. So we have to solve those three problems and that's one of the things I want to do at Alba Labs. Mate, thank you so much for that. That's, um, I'm, really, I'm really interested to, I've been really interested to hear your opinion on that. I mean, one of the best things about me doing what I do is I get to speak to people like you. Um, I, I'm, I am but a mere trader, 13 years of trading experience across all different financial instruments. Now I'm pretty much focused exclusively uh, on Bitcoin and crypto assets simply because the volatility is there. It's pretty straightforward uh, mm -hmm. until the markets crash, in which case I'll go and trade those markets too, because when markets fall, they tend to fall a lot harder than they go up, except for in crypto, they mm -hmm. go up and down just as fast. So a great opportunity. And look, feeding into the security side of things, uh, and then we'll go into Avalas because I believe that uh, what you're doing there is going to help what I want as well as what everybody else wants mm -hmm. and needs. Uh, so it's a perfect segue. But when, I, when I'm looking at different platforms and trading on these platforms, you know, my, my risk comes from not just the risk I place and, and manage on a trade. It comes from the platform itself. Right, that's got to be understood. My risk is with me as a trader, with the risk that I take. Um, it's not the amount of margin. People think that, oh, you know, you get 100x margin. It, it's risky. Margin is only scary if you don't understand it and don't know how to respect it and manage it. And I do. And that's what I teach and run, right? But the platform itself, that's why the more margin, the better for me, because I can hold less Bitcoin on a platform, which is risk. The other thing is transferring from, from one wallet address to the next. It blows my mind that we can still lose everything. And that's it, poof, gone. I mean, how scary is that? I mean, imagine, imagine trying to transfer a share certificate from a father to a son, let's say, as a, you know, okay, I'm gifting my son XYZ shares for this. And, and all of a sudden, oh, the paper's gone. Well, that's it, it's gone. That someone burnt the piece of paper, it's disappeared, it's gone forever, those shares are no longer yours, they are not retraceable, you are dead in the water, it's all over. Sorry about that, sorry, son, there goes your $10 million. Do you know, mate, that still freaks me out. There's no sort of simple recall system to, to verify, find, transact again. And even if it takes a couple of months, it, it's not something that is very easy to do. And I find that also a, a major hurdle when it comes to um, you know, bringing more people. And you say to someone, well, what happens if I make a mistake? Oh, it's gone. 
they make a mistake. We are human beings. We make mistakes, you know, and, and that's okay. That's, that's how we learn. Anyway, let's move on to Arvalaz because I want to know what exactly you are doing there. So tell me, what are you doing? Where are you doing it? And uh, who's it going to benefit? Uh, great question. So very briefly, um, Ava Labs is a company that I uh, founded and came to be uh, about uh, February of this year. So uh, about uh, seven months ago. And um, uh, the impetus for uh, Ava uh, comes from the discovery of a new consensus protocol family. This is a big deal. Um, the field of distributed systems has been around for about 45 years. And the consensus problem um, was identified very, very early on. Now, what is the consensus problem? It's the problem that lies at the heart of every cryptocurrency. It also lies at the heart of just about every single big service we use. For example, Google's Gmail relies on consensus among a set of machines operated by Google about exactly what is in your mailbox. All the machines have to agree. Uh, every time you talk to Google, you're really actually talking to one of many machines and they have to keep them in sync. So um, a similar fashion, uh, a cryptocurrency has to keep all of the machines that constitute that currency uh, in sync about how much money, you know, let's say uh, you, Craig, has, right? So that's a reasonable thing to want to do. It turns out to be quite difficult. Um, why? Because machines can fail and machines can lie. And so this problem was identified very early on. And for about uh, 35 years, academics wrote hundreds of papers in one particular framework. So there have been hundreds of consensus protocols devised by academics. Um, and the framework for this was created by two of my dear colleagues, um, both of whom have the highest distinction uh, in this area. They both have Turing Awards. And um, this is Leslie Lamport and Professor Barbara Liskov. And so this was a lot of work that happened. And Satoshi came and said, look, you've done a lot of work, but this, this stuff doesn't scale. It doesn't admit more than about 100 participants, and it requires permissioning. And I'm just not going to be able to build an open permissionless system based on this family. So he invented his own family of protocols, what we call Nakamoto consensus. And Bitcoin uses Nakamoto consensus. So that's wonderful, and it showed the world exactly what's possible. Except now we're beginning to see problems with Bitcoin's uh, infrastructure. We see that it's slow, as I discussed. Uh, it's got a bunch of other issues as well, and it doesn't scale well with the number of participants. So, um, so that, that was it until about uh, last, not last May, but May of 2018. That's all we had. We had two consensus protocol families. We had the classical ones, and we had Nakamoto consensus with, with its mining and miners and so forth that people have heard about. So uh, May, May 2018, a team that calls itself uh, Team Rocket uh, published a paper that describes a new consensus protocol family. So this is only the third time in the history of our field, in the history of mankind, that somebody has come up with a new consensus protocol family. And this new protocol is called Avalanche, and it works entirely differently from the two previous families. There is no mining, and yet it scales, it's robust, it's uh, uh, perfectly suited for an open permissionless system. Um, I like to think of it as combining the best features of Nakamoto consensus, its robustness, uh, its uh, resilience to uh, changes in the network constituents, its permissionless nature, with the best features of classical protocols. 
which is the ability to quiesce, the ability to not consume energy when there is nothing to do. This is a problem that Bitcoin has. Um, its ability to scale um, uh, in, in the number of transactions per second. So um, uh, in fact, it turns out uh, Avalanche scales better than both classical and, and uh, Nakamoto consensus protocols. So that was the initial impetus for the project. Um, we are uh, uh, we currently, what is it? We're currently seven months into the project. We've announced a private testnet. Uh, we're hoping to announce a public testnet soon. And uh, we're uh, hoping to announce a, a public uh, mainnet uh, sometime within the next uh, half year or so. So we're very excited about the platform we're building. The, it's, um, it's not just the protocol that's different. So if I were here telling you that, hey, um, I have a much better protocol and uh, it's going to be much more scalable, much faster. So, you know, what, what does that mean? It means I can achieve finality in about a second. Okay. Um, so that compares very well to Bitcoin. Bitcoin takes about an hour, yeah. right? Um, Ethereum is, is a faster uh, system. It takes about, uh, you know, about half an hour for, uh, for Ethereum to achieve the same level of security. Uh, whereas we can achieve stronger levels of security in about a second across the globe. We can do tens of thousands of transactions per second, much better than Bitcoin's three to seven, much better than Ethereum's 15, uh, just amazingly fast. We can incorporate thousands to millions of participants. You could be the Jihan Wu equivalent. You could be the main miner equivalent on Ava um, with nothing but your machines, your, your home machines, the ones that I see behind you during the podcast. So um, that's a pretty amazing thing to be able to do. Um, so, but these are just sort of backend improvements. In addition to having a much better, much faster protocol, we also have a different model. And I'm happy to explain how it's different from everyone else's but it sets us apart from the 2000 other coins out there uh, in the sense that we are able to go after use cases that other people can only dream of because we essentially have an entirely different approach to how the system ought to be structured and what kinds of uh, APIs and interfaces it should expose. Okay, so let's finally, I'm sorry, no, you, you, yeah. you were still going, sorry, my, my apologies. Oh, I was, I'll just add one more thing. Um, we also have a different way of governing our chain. So every other cryptocurrency has to, on inception day, on Genesis day, it has to commit um, in stone, if you will, in algorithmically, it has to commit to a particular set of parameters. So everybody knows, for example, that Bitcoin has, uh, you know, has, will only have 21 million coins and, it, and Satoshi fixed exactly how those coins are going to be minted, right? It's like on, in the early days, it was 50 coins per block, then it was 25, these days it's 12 and a half, uh, very soon it's going to go down. And so he, he committed himself to a particular uh, minting schedule for all time. And sometimes he got it right, um, but sometimes he got it way wrong. And, you know, and sometimes the price uh, just goes down and dives uh, incredibly, dives, dives quite deep. Um, and, you know, not only Bitcoin, but, you know, Zcash suffers from the Zcash over mints these days, if you ask me. Uh, Ethereum pays too much for its security. They could mint slower. And, uh, and they, they can't change these things, it's very hard. Um, in Alva, we can change these things. The way the, our consensus protocol works allows us to ask the audience, if you will, uh, to say, hey guys, uh, you know, we're minting too fast. Why don't we slow it down a little bit? Or vice versa. Hey guys, we're not incentivizing our participants. Mm -hmm. So why don't we up the minting rate and get more people into the system? 
These are things that our governance mechanism allows us. And our governance mechanism in turn is based on our unique consensus protocol, which is based on repeatedly asking the audience, hey, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? And, uh, and coming to an agreement if there is a social consensus point that can be reached. So, um, so those are the three features that set, set us apart. We have a much better protocol at every technical, uh, in, at, on every key metric. Uh, we have the ability to govern our system and we have a different model for the network which I didn't really explain much, uh, but we have a very different approach to how the network ought to be structured. So what I'm hearing is that it's A, faster, uh, B, potentially safer, all right? And C, more nimble, as in you can, you can pivot when, when it's required to yeah. make things more appropriate for said given situation, should it, you know, circumstances change and permit that. So, Stab in the dark. It sounds to me like it's very, very good for big business um, because, you know, millions of people being able to use it, hundreds of thousands of or whatever it was, the number of transactions per second. I mean, this is, this is real world. We do have billions of people on this planet and we know that Bitcoin in its current state just can't handle that. So who are you going after? Who's funding this? How's it working? Who, what partners? I mean, that's the next step, really. You, you need to get interest from those big corporates. Have you got that? And if so, where from are you able to speak about that? Um, yeah, these are great questions. I can't really divulge the names of the partners at this moment. But uh, let me tell you a little bit about our strategy and what we're going after. Because uh, there, too, um, we, we broke from the crowd. So um, we are not going after the, the crypto space. So we use crypto. We use blockchain technology. I played a pretty big role in evolving this tech. Um, but I don't see myself as playing a big role in, in, in crypto per se. Um, and I don't, I am not trying to, you know, shave off a few uh, five bucks here from Bitcoin users and three bucks there from the Ethereum users and a little bit more from, you know, one of the other coins. I don't really care about those sources of money. So what we're really going after is essentially providing a platform that will be an internet of assets. We're going after those assets that are not on any blockchain, mm. that are traded in ad hoc fashion on Wall Street, and we are providing a platform for finance companies out there to be able to define, describe, trade, and, uh, and in every way, every other way, just, just fluidly uh, transfer different kinds of assets that are currently not in the crypto space. So the crypto space is small, right? Oh. Bitcoin is what? Is $100 billion? That's great. Do you know how much money there is in other assets? Trillions. Mm -hmm. So I'm going after the 3.4 trillion in, uh, in, in the non, in the non blockchain assets. And that's, I think where I think we were going to see the biggest growth. And I want to pull that, uh, that, that, you know, those assets into this universe because once they see what blockchains are capable of doing for them, mm -hmm. I think the entire finance uh, industry is going to realize, Hey, there's great value to be had by migrating into this space. Look, I, I couldn't agree more with that. It's really good to hear it from you. I mean, because um, from my point of view, it's not about who's in the space now. It's who, who we bring into that space. And the yeah. way that we capture our markets is about bringing the, the bigger business in, the, the masses in. Now, for me, as a trading educator, I want to bring in the people that I've been speaking to for years and years and years, which are the traditional market players. I want to show them why they should trade uh, this most volatile market in the world. Because if you're a trader and you're not trading the most volatile market in the world, then what are you doing? I mean, let's be honest, some of the systems aren't so great. Some of the orders aren't so great, but the volatility is fantastic. So I, I totally respect, agree with that. It's about bringing the people in and it's very simple. Like business, 
bringing something to business is not difficult. And let me explain what I mean by that. If it's faster, if it's cheaper, if it means that you can make better margins, they will hear you out. Now, whether they are dinosaurs and dinosaurs went extinct, or whether they are the right CEOs and the right founders that will continue to progress and have a legacy that lasts for hundreds of years or 50, you know, a lot longer than just their lifespan, well, that will decide who will be the next big players in this space, who will adapt, adopt, and transform, and who will just end up dying out and going, oh, we should have listened to that guy. Mm -hmm. So it's not difficult to, to get, to, to get well, the difficult thing is getting the meeting. Uh, I'm sure you probably won't have too many difficulties there. Uh, you have a lot of background. You've got a lot of uh, credibility and obviously you've been around this for a very, very long time. But I, I find that to be, I, I'm interested when I hear people talking about that sort of stuff because it's about how to transform what is not yet being transformed and making it an obvious play for those people. I think that's where we're going to see the masses come in. So with Arva, I mean, are you, are you self-funded at the moment? Have you got backers? Are you doing a, a public sort of raise? Obviously, you are trying to do things differently. Are you going the more VC model or a crowdfund model? Or have you got something else completely revolutionary on that side of the things as well? Oh, no. On that, on that front, we're quite, quite traditional. So we started out by having a small seed round from certain investors. Um, I'll name them. Uh, we ended up working with Andreessen Horowitz, um, uh, Polychain, Metastable, uh, initialized, uh, which is Gary Tan and Alexis Ohanian uh, from Reddit fame, uh, and, uh, and a couple of other smaller angels. And um, we're, we're very, very happy with our initial round of investors. Uh, they've opened many doors for us, so that's been fantastic. Um, we're about to do a second round. Um, uh, it's going to be another private round. Uh, and at some point, we want to, of course, uh, open up our blockchain to the world. And uh, we're very excited about this. Um, so and we, we, the thing about our protocol is that it scales incredibly well. I can accommodate millions of first-hand participants, as I mentioned, and I'd like to go public uh, with a system that does justice to this protocol. On day one, I want to have hundreds of stakers, hundreds of validators in my system, yeah. and, um, and I, want, I want there to be nobody in charge, certainly not the company that built the system, uh, and certainly not anybody else. So, um, so it's a funny dance. It's a, it's a really fun process um, of uh, building this, uh, this infrastructure and, uh, and also at the same time ensuring its success by making sure that nobody is in charge, by making sure that it really does scale, uh, that we really do achieve wide reach and wide distribution. And I mean, when we're talking about business, we've got to talk about revenue. How are you going to get revenue? What's the plan on that front? Like, how does this business become something that can stand? I mean, obviously, I understand the first part of it, but how do you make money out of this? Ah, so that's quite straightforward. So uh, it's kind of funny, by the way. So let me, let me tell you how other people do it. So what most other people do is they build a company that's a throwaway. And the company is there for a little bit. And uh, then they go mainnet, they sell these assets. And then they say, look, the company has no purpose. We have our platform. It's done. It's ready. And um, that's not our model. We're in here to, to make the space, to improve the space in every way. And uh, we see ourselves as building a platform at the moment. Um, as soon as the platform is built, we're going to start going into verticals and start grabbing business opportunities uh, that I don't see anybody else taking. As I mentioned, there are lots and lots of interesting financial assets to be offered. And uh, we have this, uh, this novel approach uh, of offering smart assets on our platform. And, um, and uh, uh, it's been 10 years since Bitcoin. So we've seen what's, what, what one could do with a blockchain mm. for about 10 years. And in that decade, uh, it's sad to say this, 
but I haven't seen that much innovation. I've seen uh, a lot of excitement about these speculative assets. They're great in that sense. Um, there's a lot of price activity. It's fantastic for trading. That's wonderful. But they also have amazing uses, and we've only seen a tiny sliver of them. So I plan to go into that space. So we're going to partner with existing players where possible. So, um, you know, if somebody's a, an expert at offering, you know, let's say prediction markets or stable coins or whatever that, um, then, then we just want them to be, on, to be working on the Alba platform. We have no intention of competing or going into these contested markets. Yep. But there are many other opportunities in different asset classes where they're not on a blockchain. Uh, the people who want to trade these things don't know how to place them on a blockchain and they need help. So we're going to be pursuing a strategy where we go after these, uh, these Wall Street titans and, uh, and we'll help them uh, create uh, essentially um, digitized uh, counterparts to various different assets they own so that they can trade them with minimum friction widest reach possible. So build, prove, then revenue. And what sort of timeline are you giving yourself uh, for that? Obviously, I'm not going to hold you to this. And, and if you can't say too much about it, I mean, obviously, every business, I mean, if you look at something like Facebook or Amazon, they were a little while before they got to revenue, right? Um, and Amazon a little bit faster, but Facebook was all about getting the traction first, getting the eyes of the individual and then bombarding them with advertising. That's why their IPO was a $100 billion IPO when they had literally no revenue at all. So I'm, I'm curious as to how long, I understand the, the play. I understand how that can work. How long is it going to take to get to that point? And is it dependent on any external sources? For example, I would imagine that you're going to be the one championing uh, the use of Arva Labs uh, and, and therefore picking up those businesses. So the price of Bitcoin, the interest of the of the retail type investor is not going to be worrying about you. So you're not going to be too worried about that going forward. You're more interested in lining the meetings up, lining your ducks up, knocking them down, getting them on board, getting your masses that through that way through business and then providing them with products that can go to revenue. Is that more or less what you're looking to do? And if so, how long? Yeah, approximately. So we want to build and deploy our mainnet platform. So the mainnet platform is uh, going to be powered by a token called Ava. Um, and uh, we're in talks with various different exchanges to make it uh, easily tradable. And uh, so Ava should be a coin that's uh, tradable and, and, and usable by anybody uh, for value transfers. And on top of this platform, other people can issue coins uh, using Ava as the fuel for those transactions. And um, uh, I'm really excited about that, uh, those prospects. Uh, our revenue projections uh, have us uh, uh, making, uh, uh, well, let me not say too much about this. I do need to check. Um, no, I, 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 come numbers, from just the time. I want to know the timeline more than anything else, well, roughly, if you yeah, can. Even, even that is going to be difficult, right? So I come from an academic background. I'm, I'm, I'm always eager to speak my mind. And after every one of these podcasts, my team gets really upset at me for either giving away too much or having said too much. So, um, uh, but we are planning when we have partnerships lined up uh, where we are, uh, we end up uh, uh, building interesting things uh, fairly quickly. And um, I think it's unprecedented in the blockchain space um, where somebody uh, gets the seed round done in February and then in May uh, announces a private testnet. So, um, and we're hoping to have public testnet sometime very soon. So, uh, so that's a very good situation to be in. I'm really proud of my team and I'm really proud of what we're able to do in, in the timeframe that we did it in. So if that is any indication, I think the future is, is very bright for us. 
uh, but I can't really. I get it. Look, I, I usually say in each video, in each interview, I, I say, look, it's it's my job to ask the questions and it's your job to avoid litigation. And you've done that very <laughs> well today. <laughs> well done. Thank final you. question for you, mate. The, the final question is this. I mean, is Bitcoin still going to have a place in the marketplace? Absolutely. So Bitcoin and other associated currencies that have a, an organic use case. So, for example, the best one would be Ethereum. It's the best second one. Um, you know, these are these are currencies that actually uh, serve a function. Uh, Bitcoin is kind of like everyone's first kiss. You can never forget it, right? Uh, <laughs> you know exactly where you were when you had your first kiss. I do too. And um, so it's not going to go away. Um, but but there's a bigger world out there. So um, uh, and it's time to move on at some point. So it becomes the people gradually shift, and um, nobody remembers Orkut, the very first. Uh, uh, the very first social network. Mm -hmm. uh, some people might remember MySpace. I don't really remember anybody who still uses it, but it's still around. Um, Facebook was really big. It's dwindling down. It's only old fogies who use it these days. Yep. And, uh, and there's going to be a turnover. So we're going to see a similar thing. Bitcoin, Bitcoin fulfills a great function. Uh, its price is going to go up and down and up and down again, as you know. Um, and uh, meanwhile, uh, interesting projects will flourish. And uh, we've seen lots and lots of stabs at Bitcoin competitors. And, you know, it's not enough to fix one issue with Bitcoin. Bitcoin has many issues that need fixed. And so the platform that, that rises above it all is going to be a platform that solves all of the extant problems, all of the existing current ones. And meanwhile, goes and finds use cases and brings money into crypto that isn't currently in crypto and finds a way to... Uh, to work in cahoots with the existing financial system. You can't be extra legal and, and just for all time. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. right? So, um, so you got to find a way uh, to make what you've got the legal thing or, uh, or find a way to work with the existing systems. So, um, so those are the types of things that, that I'm really excited about. Um, AVA is an enabling platform. So it, is, it itself brings no value system with it. It doesn't necessarily force compliance down your throat. It doesn't necessarily um, bind you to a U.S. jurisdiction. It doesn't require KYC AML. It's an open, frictionless global currency. Meanwhile, it allows people to build things on top that obey compliance rules uh, that, uh, that have restrictions in place. So it's a, it's a very fluid way to build something that, that intersects or straddles both worlds of cryptocurrencies and their goodness along with currently existing assets and their compliance requirements and whatever else they might bring with them. So, um, so we worked really hard to build something that's, uh, that's exciting and that is as applicable to as wide an audience as possible. And with that, we want to go after these assets that are currently not in our space at all. Well, mate, I've absolutely loved that conversation. Um, and look, what I'd like to do as well is, um, is when you think the timing's right, please, please get back in contact. Let's, uh, let's follow through with this. I, I'm really keen to hear what you have to say. I think it's, by the sounds of it, everything is sort of what I'm hoping to see as well um, for the growth of the space. Of course, we are very much involved in this space, being a trading education firm. We are building into other, area, other areas in this space as well because we just see the phenomenal potential. And uh, we're very excited about it too. So it's fantastic to speak with someone such as yourself, mate, to learn more about what you're up to, what your views and opinions are. Uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, head across to Ava Labs, A-V or Ava, A-V-A-L-A-B-S dot org. And uh, where else can they find more information about yourself and the project there? Um, well, people can follow me on Twitter. Um, I have a funny, funny handle, E-L-3-3-T-H-4-X-O-R, Elite Haxor. 
Um, yeah, I know. You can judge me all you want. Um, it, was, it was meant to be in jest. Uh, but that is my handle on Twitter. People can follow me there. Um, and we have a, I have a blog uh, where we publish the, sort of the cutting-edge research on blockchain, smart contracts, and the like. Uh, it's called hackingdistributed.com. Excellent. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find out any more about trading and education, get across to tradercob.com. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. The founder and CEO of Arva Labs, which if you're not interested to find out more right now, then you may as well throw your computer in the ocean and say goodnight. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. And I mean, thank you so much for your time today. We will keep in contact. Thank you so much, Craig. Ladies and gentlemen, bye for now.